Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We're a podcast devoted to founders, startups, entrepreneurs, and the angels, VCs, family offices, and investment firms that work with them. And it is our pleasure today to welcome uh, to the podcast Nathan Beckard. He is the CEO of Founders Suite. Welcome, Nathan. Good to have you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. And uh, Nathan is coming to us post-COVID, had a little COVID, so... Um, we will factor that in. I don't know how we'll factor that in, but but uh, we're, we're we're glad you're fine and uh, glad you're 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 back in the saddle. So um, Nathan, um, first of all, tell us in a nutshell what Founder Suite is, because it sounds like something that could help a lot of founders. So t- tell us what it is. Maybe then we'll 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 circle back to how you got to this point. Yeah, sure. It's Founder Suite is a software platform, software as a service, and it is a collection of tools for startups raising capital and so it's basically uh we've we've built products for every step of the fundraising journey so we have an investor database of about two hundred thousand investors we have a crm for managing your pipeline of investors we have a pitch deck hosting tool we have investor update tools we have email follow-up tools we have a collection of downloadable documents like term sheets and cap tables. And then we have a virtual data room for sharing your confidential information with investors when you get into due diligence. So basically we're just kind of building end to end products for, for companies raising capital. And how, um, who, who do you see as your competitors in that area? Is this a crowded field? I've seen a couple of things, but I'm wondering if they sort of overlap with you. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I just listed off what six or six or so products that we've built and each one has a set of competitors, right? So at the investor database uh, side of things, we've got Crunchbase and PitchBook and a few mm-hmm. other databases out there at the CRM level. There's, you know, dozens of CRMs, everything from Salesforce to HubSpot to everything else. Right. So every product has competitors, um, data rooms. There are several, you know, quite a few different, um, quite a few different, you know, data rooms out there, but very few or pretty much no one has kind of put this all together into one, uh, product suite. Now we're starting to see a few companies come out there literally just in, even in the last few weeks, few months that are trying to do this sort of all in one, um, fundraising package. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how they, how long has founder sweep been in the market? We've been in the market six years, so we're we're the granddaddies, okay. the old timers, which is a long time in startup land. But we started, we launched our investor CRM six years ago, and then we've been building one or two more products each year um, ever since then. And how how did you put together a database of two hundred thousand investors? That seems like a, a good sized database. How how hard was that? Oh, very hard. <laughs> it's one of the it's. It's my, what's the proper PC term? It's my, I don't know, redheaded stepchild or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's politically correct to say these days, but the database is is a pain. Oh, no, you're not, you've offended every redheaded person in the world. Yeah. No, I, had a red, I had a red beard, so I'm offended. I just want to be on the record, but, but keep okay. going. Okay, well, you know, I'm going <laughs> to take hate mail from... Yeah. Um, the database has been challenging. We, when we first started, we actually had an integration with AngelList. AngelList had an API and we like pulled in their data into our app 
it was awesome. And then Angelus decided to to shutter their API. They closed it off. They canceled it. So we had to build our own database. And so, you know, to answer your question, we pulled together, we purchased some data lists. Like there was a, a private equity recruiter that had a huge 30,000 person database and he was retiring. So he purchased his list. We've done some automated data gathering using spiders. We've had teams of MBA interns going web page to web page collecting stuff. And then we've more recently started to tap our own users to contribute some data about investors. So it's been a, you know, think about multiple different pipes all pouring into the database. And of course, it's the process of cleaning it, standardizing it, keeping it up to date. So it's a pain so in you, the ass. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So you've created uh, what sounds like a one-stop shop for founders. And um, uh, what what would be the ideal way that a founder would use your services? Obviously, they would search for investors. That's pretty obvious. The data room would sort of put the data in a coherent fashion in front of investors. What else What else would a founder get out of using your product? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, as I mentioned, we're trying to map this to how sort of the fundraising journey unfolds. So you're a startup, you've got your product in the market, maybe you're seeing some some good traction and you decide it's time to go raise a seed round of a million dollars, for example. Um, step one would be to build that target list. So that's where you come into the database and start to, you know, do some searches, dig through the investors. And when you find one that looks really good, you add them to your CRM. So those get dropped into the CRM. And so now you have this you know, list of 200 investors or something that you've built. And then when you start to do the outreach to investors, that's where you would start to use like the pitch deck hosting tool. So you upload your pitch deck, your PowerPoint, your PDF, you send it out. Uh, through the system to those investors, and then you can track and see who looked at it, how much time they spent. Um, at the same time, you know, I recommend using the investor update tool, even in advance of fundraising. Actually, it's great to use the investor update tool to start to send out updates about your business, so the investors get to know your business over a period of a few months, ideally. Right? They see your progress, your traction, kind of your story unfolding. And then, you know, as you're out there talking to investors, we have our email tool to do like follow-up emails, right? If you've just met with 30 investors last week, um, you can do like a, a batch email to all those and it's going to look and feel like you've sent them all personalized emails. And, and then, of course, you, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead keep, no, you go ahead. Keep going. Oh, and then, you know, as you make progress with this and you're getting investors, you know, I mean, getting into the weeds, as you're moving the investor cards through the stages of your CRM from contacted to pitch to diligence or term discussions, you know, that's where you would start to engage the data room where you're starting to send them your your confidential information, your intellectual property, your uh, financials, uh, customer references, all that stuff that obviously you don't want to put in a, you know, public facing deck or anything like that. That's where you start to do it with the data room and then you can track and see, oh, look, Michael just downloaded uh, or Michael just viewed our, uh, you know, 2022 financials. He's clearly like digging into the the, the financials on us, right? Or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. you can, so you can actually track that. You can actually see that as a founder, as a startup. Yeah. So how do you, how do you make your money? Yeah, it's simple. It's just a, a monthly subscription. And how, how, what does that range from or what does that cost? Uh, 49 to $69 a month 
per company. Okay. That seems quite um, reasonable. Yeah. Well, so that's a funny, yeah, that wasn't a question, but that's a funny comment. We actually have not raised our prices in six years, even though every year we've added a bunch of new features. So we're probably overdue for a, a price bump. You know, yeah. You and, uh, you and you and Netflix, I guess. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're not overdue. <laughs> They've already done it. Yeah. Um, and, and how many customers do you have? Yeah, we're in the thousands. Uh, we've got roughly 3,000 monthly active startups on the platform. Now, we also have a free version as well um, that's fairly limited, but you know, people have mm -hmm. actually raised their rounds using the free version, so it's, it's still functional mm -hmm. uh, and it's free forever. So we have, of that 3,000, know, we don't give exact numbers, but we have a proportion of those on the free and, and the rest on the paid. Yeah. And is, it, is, is the company uh, founder suite, is that uh, owned entirely by you? No, we did raise a, a seed round ourselves. Um, and that was back when we were launching and then we haven't had to go raise any more money, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. So we've been basically, we had a few very, rocky first two years or so were pretty lean and rocky and we kind of ran out of money a few times and and all that but since the last three or four years we've been pretty profitable and, and growing. all of so. that is par for the course as as we know that that is yes. not unusual in a, in a startup but good for you that you haven't had to go back for more money now um what are your ambitions for founder suite ultimately um what's the, what's the ceiling here yeah you know First of all, there's still more work to be done, more tools to be made. There's still a lot of friction and pain points in the fundraising process. It's still really hard to raise capital. I think we're making it easier with our, our platform and tool set, but it's still just really hard, really time consuming. And there are various pieces of the process that are still very challenging, like figuring out how you're connected to investors because so much of it runs on introductions. So that's still a challenging piece. I think we can build stuff around um, helping companies be more discoverable, right? That takes a little bit of the pressure off if we can help with that. So I have some ideas on that. And then just more like more features. For example, we don't have a an e-signature component yet. That's probably something we'll add. I mean, there's just other stuff yeah, well. to add to this. And I think we could, well, we've already started uh, getting into some other customer segments. Like we now have a pretty decent number of venture capital firms using it to manage their own LP pipeline. So kind of a newer customer segment. We've got some investment bankers using it to help their clients. So there's kind of some other customer paths we can branch off into. It sounds like you're in it for the long haul though. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I, I was having this conversation with a college buddy of mine yesterday who's at uh, GE Capital, the the corporate venture arm of GE, and we we're just kind of we we're sort of you know mid career. I don't know what what we call this, but like kind of comparing notes and like and and like I don't know what I would do if I sold Founder Suite. Like I don't have another idea for a startup, so I don't have like a plan B. I'm not ready to just play pickleball and sail every day right now, you know. Um, so I. In it for the long haul, yes. Pickleball, huh? So pickleball is not the draw that golf is for retirement, at least not yet. <laughs> it's, well, don't get me started on pickleball. We're playing 
like every day, multiple hours a day, and I would love to do a lot more. It's it's more, it good has a, a reputation as something that like retired people do, but it's really becoming this like fastest growing sport in America, and you're seeing yeah. young people getting into it, and it's becoming very competitive. And like, you could do a pickleball startup. I don't know what it would do, but but uh, there's always that possibility. We're talking to uh, Nathan Beckard. He is the founder CEO of Founders Suite. Um, which is a, a suite of tools, I think we can call it, to help founders through the entire process of fundraising. You're also you also have a podcast of your own called "Why I Raised How I Raised It," right? How I raised um, it, yes. And so you've had a lot of experience, you know, helping founders raise money, talking to founders who've who've raised money. Is there a common denominator amongst successful founders in terms of raising money? Is there something they have in common? You know, yeah, there are several things. I'll try try to make this fairly succinct. You know, obviously, you need to have a good business, right? I mean, there's a lot yes. of just crappy ideas and and beyond ideas, even businesses out there that are kind of trying to raise money. And so that's kind of first principles, right? But beyond that, I'd say some of the common, common denominators or common uh, patterns are Identifying the right investors, really spending the time to identify whether it's 50, 100, 200, 300 investors that really are a good potential good fit for you. And that means taking some time and really understanding what they're investing in, uh, making sure they have capital. They raised a fund recently if they're venture firms. Um, That's pretty important. I call it qualifying your investor list. And then, you know, really making sure your pitch deck and your your pitch story is really crisp. You don't get a second chance with investors. You get one chance, you get about 10 seconds to make an initial impression with investors, right? And then hopefully that piques their interest enough that they want to listen to, you know, Mm -hmm. a few minutes and maybe that leads to, uh, you know, a full on pitch meeting, right? But you've got to really have a crisp story. Investors are just barraged with, companies coming at them, pitching them all day long. So you're, you you need to stand out from the noise basically. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy to do. I mean, there's a lot of challenges with that. Um, and then I guess just last thing I would add is, you know, it's really good if you have momentum in your business and can get momentum going on the fundraise. Now momentum in the business, like when I get founders coming to me saying, if I had some money, then I could do X, Y, Z. You're kind of already dead in the water. Like you have to have things in motion already with your business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a great point. I think that 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 almost bears repeating because um, it it speaks to what you're able to do when you don't have everything you need. Yeah, exactly. And and good entrepreneurs find a way. They they find a way to hustle. Even, you know, there's a lot of different stories out there, but like maybe you don't have a full product to sell, but you put up some landing pages and run some Google ads and you've collected a list of 2000 people who want to buy once you build it. I mean, there's different ways to kind of hack it, uh, you know, even if you don't have all the money in the world. So find a way to make things happen, get things in motion. And then I guess that last point is getting momentum going on the fundraise, meaning you know, really getting a lot of investors excited about what you're doing in kind of the same time frame. So there, mm-hmm. it becomes a competitive deal where people are really sort of competing to get into your 
into your uh, your startup. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and Nathan, um, you have really been in this space for a long time. Tell tell us the let us know the journey from uh, from the beginning of your career to Founder Suite. How did how did you get here? What were the steps? Yeah, well, I I always had it in the back of my head. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, but then I, after college, I went, kind of got um, led, not led astray, that's not the right phrase, but led down the path of wanting to be an investment banker, kind of attracted to that, that lure, uh, the glamour of investment banking, and did that for a couple of years, and worked with startups raising later stage capital, um, even worked uh, on some IPOs during the dot-com boom of the late 90s, you know, which makes me sound a million years old, but you know, during that like first crazy internet boom, um, helped take a couple, couple companies public. And then later on spent, um, several years helping earlier stage companies raise capital. So really my whole career has been helping companies raise capital. And then I just had this idea seven, eight years ago of let's mm-hmm. build some software for this product for this process. There really wasn't anything out there, you know, dedicated to what what I wanted to do um people thought we were crazy people thought oh you're you're going after startups that's a terrible market which kind of is but you know (laughs) but but now they have no money yeah it's kind of proven like I think we were like many stars maybe a little early and and the market wasn't quite there yet but now the market's kind of like you know caught up and and so we're trying to ride yeah. that wave as best we can yeah yeah so um so aside from uh one one size fits all for founder suite what are the other ways you hope to differentiate yourself from <clears throat> from the comp- competition yeah i mean it's it's a lot of it it's, it's that's a hard question because there are a lot of like nuances i'd say intangibles and nuances that differentiates. It's not just one big thing I can point to. It's nuances like, you know, you could use HubSpot or any CRM to manage your investors, but our product has a lot of like very specific nuances to the fundraising process. Like you add a a contact to it, you can designate what type of investor they are. Do they lead rounds or follow, you know, only follow co-invest? I mean, things like that, that aren't baked into any HubSpot type of product we've got baked in. So there's a lot of like nuances that are very specific to fundraising that I think come from our years of experience. I think we also just, you know, I'll do like free pitch deck reviews to our our subscribers. Um, We put on like weekly webinars uh, for our, our customers. We've got the podcast. We were doing events. We were doing a, a, an event called Funding 2.0. We haven't done that since since COVID, but, you know, we usually do that. We put on a party at South by Southwest. And we have a lot of, like, intangibles to kind of help support our, our founders that I think go a little bit beyond, above and beyond just the software. So. And what, what would you say uh, if, if uh, founders come in all shapes and sizes, all genders, all, every, all colors, everything, is there any – Common, and I'm asking you this because you've seen as much as anybody in this in this business. You've seen lots of founders. Um, is there anything? Are founders crazy? I mean, 
like do you need uh what what steven uh what steve jobs uh what has been described as steve jobs is willful suspension of belief um uh-huh. do you do you have to have a willful suspension of belief to to be a founder yeah be I a successful founder anyway i think you do i think there's there's a few things i like that willful suspension of disbelief one of the other things I think was maybe associated with Steve Jobs is sort of being able to create a reality distortion field. That's the other part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you have to do that a little bit with founders. You have to almost, ah, this is a tricky road though. So yeah, let yeah. me give the caveats because you have to kind of believe your own BS, right? And mm-hmm. yet you see that to the extreme, then you're seeing the Theranos and, and WeWork debacles where they're believing their own BS, right? But but in the early days, you kind of have to believe your own and, and create that reality distortion field. But I think the other, the other thing I, I've, I, I've seen over the years, and I love this quote that I heard somewhere, is like entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is for people who could not hold down a normal job, right? Mm-hmm. People who couldn't get hired or, you know, it kind of yeah. captures the, those those sometimes mavericks, sometimes renegades. I mean, that's the positive way to put it. But sometimes yeah. just people who are not great employees, um, too much too much control issues, stuff like that. And, but I think, you know, it, it does attract that sort of crazy personality type to your point. And um, in in the right circumstances, that actually helps the startup succeed. Are, are you seeing more founders from outside the United States now? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We have it's crazy. Like I'll, I'll look at our Google analytics and you can see uh, the map view, the location view. I'm like, Oh my gosh, these, this guy's a bunch of companies in Turkey or, you know, companies in Australia, New Zealand. I mean, that's sort of expected, but like we got a, a ping last week from an accelerator, startup accelerator in Moldavia. I'm like, I'm not even sure where Moldavia is. I need to look that up. um, Hey, I have a contact in Moldavia. Okay, interesting. So, uh, so who's in the startup business? So, so uh, let me know if you, <laughs> if you want to know. But actually, I, I had a conversation with her, and I said, you know, when she moved to Moldavia, and I said, you know, you could own Moldavia in the startup space. So, I, sure, I, I, somebody's gonna. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, cool. No, it's um, it's uh, I didn't know where it was either. Um, <laughs> but it's what is it? I'm not even sure I could tell you now. But it's you know, it's in the very cold part of Eastern Europe. Well, yeah. more time to, uh, to work on your startup idea. If it's Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And are you seeing it? Um, how about Asia? How about um, other parts of the world? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we don't have many customers in China or, or Japan. I think that's mostly a language issue. We like, but we're strong in like Singapore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Singapore is really robust right now. Yeah, lots of action there. Um, where else in Asia? I, we've got a smattering in Vietnam. You know, I've seen a little ac- action mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. All, yeah. All over the world, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Nathan, I want to thank you for being with us today on The Accelerator. Uh, Nathan Beckert is a CEO and founder of Founders Suite, um, a set of uh, a stack of applications, a stack of capabilities that really uh, tries very hard to meet just about any need a founder might have, including 
Um, what I didn't realize is a database of 200,000 investors is certainly tantalizing uh, and a cost of 49 to $69 a month with a free alternative as well. So thank you so much for being with us, Nathan, and uh, I hope you'll come back soon to The Accelerator. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. That was really fun. appreciate it. Uh, I'm Michael Conniff. You can reach me at Michael Conniff on Twitter. Uh, you can also um, go to my website, michaelconniff.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F, two N's and two F's, dot com. Um, or you can search for The Accelerator Podcast with Michael Conniff on just about every platform known to man, woman, or anything in between. We would love to um, have you subscribe and uh, even rank us if you get a chance. Uh, until, until our next meeting, we will, um, we will see you soon and we'll actually be back before you know it. So thanks very much uh, for listening to The Accelerator and thank you, Nathan. Thank you.